what it means to live by faith. Next, on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. One of those Christianese terms, right? Actually, it's a biblical term. The just shall live by faith. So what does that mean in practical terms? Well, that's what we'll explore here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We welcome you to our Sunday edition of the broadcast, and we would invite you to join us here in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 32 through 39. The just shall live by faith. With today's broadcast of Truth For Today, our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews. You've about forgot it, I know. I want to look at the conclusion of chapter 10. He, he's warned them at the end of the chapter not to fall away from the living God and fall into his hands for judgment, for vengeance. Don't give up meeting with God's people. Don't go back. Uh, don't cave in to the pressure and None of us probably can understand the pressure that were on these first century Hebrew Christians. What incredible amount of pressure. We get our feelings hurt if someone doesn't shake our hands. I mean, these people were suffering for the cause of Christ, and he's exhorting them. This is called a book of exhortation, and he calls it that. And listen to what he says at the end of chapter 10. We begin at verse 32. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Sufferings always will test our faith. But guess what? Good times ruins more people than hard times. Uh, Adversity has made more people strong. Like working out in the gym, it exercises the muscles of faith. And Adversity has never killed true faith. Uh, Sometimes you were publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. And sometimes you were partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison. And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Oh, what an attitude. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, your boldness is the idea, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance or perseverance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay." a prophetic utterance taken from the Old Testament, but now loaded with messianic meaning. A prophet. Christ is coming soon. Christ is, don't bail out. Don't give up. Don't go back. He's coming. He's coming. Don't, don't go back. That's what he's saying. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, withholds, withdraws, goes away. If he shrinks back, notice what happens. 
My soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. So the shrinking back seems to be abandoning the faith, going back, no longer identify with the people of God, no longer continuing. If we shrink back, go back, God will find no pleasure in us. He says he will destroy us. But of those who have faith and preserve their souls, we are those who instead of going back, shrinking back, we're the people of faith. And this preserves their souls. The just shall live by faith. This was the battle cry of the Reformation. The just shall live by faith. The word just being my righteous ones. And we love this when it comes to the doctrine of justification. I believe Christ, faith being the instrument that brings him into my heart, is the instrument that gives me access to all the benefits of his death. And so it's the battle cry. We are people of faith. Believe. The, the Reformation had a phrase, sola scriptura, and sola fides, that faith alone in Christ alone saves. But it's not only saying it saves initially, but notice he says, my just ones or my righteous ones continue to live. Their lives are marked by a life, a perpetual life of trust, of relying on God. And he takes us right from Habakkuk 2.4, that the Chaldeans are getting ready to invade Israel, part of God's judgment upon them for their idolatry. And the prophet is staggering that God would use such a wicked people to spank in line his people. And in the midst of it, Habakkuk it gives this word that is used in Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, Hebrews. It goes this way. When destruction comes from the Chaldeans, only the one living by faith in me will save his life. And those not believing me are the apostate Israelites that have gone to idolatry, have abandoned the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if you go back, you're going to be destroyed. I'm only going to preserve a people who are trusting me, relying on me. Isaiah 30, you're making an alliance with Egypt, and you think her horses and her chariots will save you. Let me say to you, Israel, in quietness and rest is your strength. In waiting on your God is your deliverance. No horse can get you out of the mess you're in. And so a great battle cry is raised. The righteous of God are the people who live by faith. I'm going to take you on a little journey. What is faith? Faith, if you went to it just as a word study, it means faith, reliability, to rely upon. It was even used of obedience, and you'll see that in Hebrews 11, a faith that obeys. Faith made Abraham take Isaac. Faith made Noah build the ark. 
So it's not just faith. It's a faith. I take you at your word, and I obey it, and I carry it out. So sometimes faith is just obedience. Romans 1, 5, I've called you to the obedience of faith. And faith is not just a little gooey substance. It has real content. So let's ask ourselves, what is faith? Besides a little word study that we throw out there, let me give you some ideas. Soren Kierkegaard, great uh, philosopher, uh, wrote some things that are astounding. He's written a devotional book and some great uh, insights. Brilliant, brilliant Swiss man. And he uh, came along and studying the different views and Camus and these guys that were basically uh, sadistic, pessimistic, all of this. And these philosophers were always struggling. Now, there seems to be two levels of existence. The world of, uh, what we say, they, Francis Schaeffer would say, the world below the line, where we live, eat, sleep, think, interact, that which is around us. And all the time, mankind is thinking, could I ever get to another level? Get up there. Is there something besides matter, physical? Is there an experience I could ever have that would get me above it all? Sorengard came along, and he invented the philosophy of existentialism that says uh, the past doesn't matter. We're not certain of the future. We only exist to experience this present moment and part of his philosophy was, you must take the leap of faith to get into an upper story existence or experience. Very mystical. Timothy Leary is famous for LSD, but there was more going on than a chemical product. It was a part of how do we get to the upper story as man? How do we get above the earthly experiences. The best we've done with earthly high is sex and booze, and then we come along with drugs. And when you take Timothy Leary in LSD, he was an existentialist who said, there's an upper story of experience if we can just get there. You can't explain it. It's not a destination. It's an experience. It's existential. You just, you, you just, I experienced it. Did, did you get that? No. Well, I have this experience. So, you get a Jimi Hendrix that can record all of his albums, strung out on drugs, and this genius makes recordings. We said, where in the world did he get those licks and that thought? LSD helped. Psychedelic music. I'm out. I'm spaced out. And they did some phenomenal things in the 60s in the drug culture in producing musicians that can play while they were high. They stayed high. And you couldn't enjoy the concert without getting high. And you who went, no. It just helped to get you in the mood, honey. It helped get you that upper leap, but you didn't know that you were going to crash with the leap. 
Boom. But you're trying to get up there. Food, sex, drugs, alcohol. Get me out. Get me up. And so Perkingard says, don't count on anything. Your past or future, it's right now. Make this leap, and we hope you get it. And you, Did you get it? Did you have the experience? Well, I experienced something. I'm bouncing off of walls. I'm in J-Ward. And uh, I've become a heroin addict and living in uh, abandoned buildings in Detroit, New York, Chicago, and San Francisco. I, I tried to get up there. I never knew it would leave me like this. But I did the leap and crashed. Man wants to get above it all. And he doesn't hardly know how. Then you have people who think of faith as faith in faith is what saves. If you believe it hard enough, just believe. Have you ever heard people, just believe. Believe what? Oh, I don't know. Just believe in belief. Believe in belief. Faith in faith. Well, wait, wait. Well, uh, do you believe you can fly? Well, I hadn't thought of that. You mean if you believe it's strong enough? Come with me. It's like my brother David one time. I called him, and I said I was going through a great trial, and and I said, I was looking for a bridge to jump off of. His counsel was, find a short bridge. In case, you know, it won't hurt too bad. I thought it was really comforting, a real word of wisdom. <laughs> Go ahead and leap, but just get a short one. Faith in faith. I, I, don't be jumping off anything on faith in faith. Faith in faith will not overcome gravity. It won't. So you, you get a lot of positive teaching, positive thinking, a mind over matter, motivational speech. If you just got faith in yourself, well, that's why I'm a wreck. I, I've been trusting myself too long. According to Proverbs, the fool trusts only in his heart. The fool doesn't trust God. He only trusts himself. He's a fool. And you get a man or woman so full of their own opinion and themselves, they don't trust anybody but their heart. They're trusting a deceptive mechanism that will make a fool out of them. If you're trusting your heart, you're a fool. That's what the Bible said. Proverbs 29. Jeremiah 17:9. The heart is deceptive, full of wickedness. Don't trust your heart. Well, I sort of feel they don't like me. Well, who told you that? My heart. And my heart's never misled me. Oh, what marriage are you on? No, your heart is a liar. It will lie to you. It will tell you, leave that marriage, take your life. Don't listen to your heart. It's a deceptive mechanism. Then you, you've got this idea of, uh, I don't trust anyone. You ask people, because, uh, you know, faith is, I trust you. And the 60s had a little model that went this way. Don't trust anyone. And guess what? The youth culture of our day, they don't trust anyone. That's why they don't want to get married. Why make a promise you know you're not going to keep? Or why make a promise to someone that you don't believe they'll keep it? Because uh, I want to remain a player. I, I want you to be there when I get home, but let's be free to play. What? You, you mean you don't want just a monogamous relationship? Oh, no. You're going you're gonna to hurt me eventually. 
you're going to disappoint me eventually. Well, what does that mean? Well, I'm going to disappoint you, and I might beat you to it, but I'm not going to trust you, but I will sleep with you. But you don't trust me. No, I've been hurt before. So, we have a culture of distrust. Nobody trusts each other. Or you, you put your money in with this person, they lost it. Or this person talked about you. Uh, I had a man one time, uh, we were talking, and I, I said to him, I said, you don't seem to trust anyone. He said, no, I believe in depravity. I said, well, remember, you're just as depraved as me. Goes both ways. I don't trust you. You don't trust me. Let's have fun. Lying to each other. You don't have a monopoly on being bad, nor do you have a monopoly on being good. We're all wrecks apart from the grace of God. We're all depraved. We're all capable of lying, deceiving, disappointing. That's the human dilemma. Who are you going to trust? And some have decided, I'll trust no one. And what a miserable life that is. What a miserable life. Then the biblical concept. What's the biblical concept? The biblical concept is twofold. Twofold. He says to the disciples, O ye of little faith. Right? Have faith. What is that talking about? That's a subjective attitude in you. Why didn't he do many miracles in that town? He said, because they had no faith. No faith. Uh, If you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be removed and it would be done, right? Faith. Unbelievers have no faith in God. They have faith in air pilots. They obviously buy tickets. You know, think about that. I don't trust anyone. Well, why did you buy that ticket to Hawaii? Because you trust the pilot? Do you know that a lot of them are using while they're flying? This might just be the flight where LSD takes over the controls. You're forced to trust people you don't want to trust. Are you not? I don't ask, are you a Christian? I ask, do you know how to fly? A lot of Christians don't know how to fly. So there's some folks I trust more than Christians. You don't need to be born again to know how to fly. You're not following me. When I want brain surgery, I I know you love Jesus, and you're looking for the fruit of the Spirit. Get out of my way. I want probably a good Jewish boy that's a doctor. And I don't care if he's Rabbi Schlumblocker. Do you, did you pass medical school? What's your credentials? Little faith. Subjective. I'm called upon to have faith. But, but, biblical faith is this way. It tells you the object to trust in. Faith must have the right object. Your faith is no better than the object you're trusting. And it would be content, because Jude says, God has revealed the faith. Contend for the faith. That's objective, what God's revealed about himself. There it is. Now, I may have little faith. I may have big faith. I may have medium-sized faith. But if I have the right object for my faith, that cannot fail me with little or much faith. I often say, little faith in a strong bridge, you can still get across. Huh? Did you ever wonder if the Bay Bridge would hold you in the olden days? 
I know my sister Ruth and I ride in the back seat when we were going to the Bay Bridge. As a kid, I said, what if it starts caving in, caving in, caving? and then I would just dive down in between the seats in the back? No! It held. Because the size of my faith didn't determine the ability of the bridge. Now, God has revealed himself. Francis Schaeffer wrote a book, and he called God is There and He is Not Silent. When we talk about God, you say, well, who is your God? You're just making it up. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, you see, this is a record of His revelation of Himself. It's been revealed in history. Old Testament, Israel was the guardians of it. The Red Sea the defeat of the Babylonians, history happened just like he said, the prophets, on and on. God has revealed himself, said he's infinite, that he's eternal, that he's all-powerful. He's rescued Israel from one enemy after another. He did this, he did that. Wait, that's all fantasy. No, no, that's what he revealed. See, when the Bible speaks, God speaks. Benjamin Warfield said that, Princetonian Greek scholar. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. We're people of a book because this is the revelation God gave of himself. His greatest revelation was, in the beginning was one abiding with me who is the Word. That is the exact representation of everything I want to say. And I sent him, and I wrapped him in flesh, verse 14 of John, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we observed him. He was full of grace and truth. We found out everything you can know about God through Jesus. Now, in Jesus' time, there were hundreds of false messiahs. How do we know Jesus isn't a phony and a fake? Well, John Five is a good place to start. He said, anything the Father can do, I can do. Try that, false messiahs. Now, the beast in Revelation 13 tries that. He said he was wounded unto death, but he revived. So, he pawns off on the world. I came back from the dead. And the earth will wonder after the beast in Revelation 13, the Antichrist of the last days. But Christ comes along and says, hey, if the Father judges, I can judge. If the Father can raise the dead, so can I. Follow me around. I raise up dead people. I tell demons and they scat. I have to tell them to shut up about who I am because they want to tell the whole neighborhood, you're dealing with God. This is not a false Messiah. This is really God. He said, be quiet. I'm not allowing you even to speak. You're going to get me killed before the cross. Shut up. I don't need you rebel angels telling everybody who I am. My works will testify that I've come to represent the Father, to do His works. I'm no false Messiah. That's why you need to read the Gospels. I claim to be Messiah. Line up all your Messiahs. Line them up. Turn water to wine. Raise the knit widow of Nain's son. Let a leper touch you and get well. Walk on the waters of Galilee. Feed thousands of people with a loaf and a few fish. Go ahead. Emulate me. Go ahead, Muhammad. Try it. Go ahead, Buddha. Try it. Try all you pagan philosophers. You can't duplicate what I did. It's on record. 
I gave you a record. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time together has come to a close here, but as we leave you, we'd like to do so with our address and phone number if you'd like to contact us, and we would love to hear from you. You see, Truth For Today airs here on KFAX in part through financial partnerships with our listeners, such as yourself. If the Lord is prompting you to make either a one-time gift or be a monthly donor, we would love to hear from you. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. Please take a moment and contact us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. And as our way of saying thank you for your partnership with us, we'll make you a TFT sustainer, which includes our quarterly newsletter, a -a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional, into your email box every week. Again, it's all part of our TFT Sustainers Package. Contact us and learn more at 855-833-9864 or simply stop by our website, valleybible.org. And you can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As you stop by our website, valleybible.org, please remember other resource materials are available there. Other series is taught by Pastor Phil, some of the books that he's authored. You can also find out about Valley Bible Church, who we are and what we believe, how to get here, times that we worship. And you're more than welcome to join us. Again, you'll find it all at valleybible.org. Stop by and pay us a visit. Then drop us an email and let us know you did pay us a visit. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. 